It's all over then, um, as we anticipated, and it's good that it finally is, so we can move on to other things. Hi everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex this week. Um, joining joining me is Baden, as always, I'm Juad, and yes, it's finally over. The championship has been decided, it's been wrapped up. Um, Lewis Hamilton didn't win the race, that honour went to Max Verstappen, but still... Um, yeah, two races to spare, and we have a five-time world champion. Thank God that part of it's out of the way, as much as it's such an anti-climax on what we'd built to after coming into the season, we thought it would make up for, for 12 months ago, and alas, that wasn't to be, but the right man has won there, and for what it is, the last two races, it's inescapable that it it's going to be processional, but we did get to see at least a good result there, like with Kimi Raikkonen at Austin for Verstappen to get a breakthrough there. It was just good for someone different to, to be on the top step. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was another exciting race like in Austin. It was one about tyre management too, and that's where Mercedes struggled really for um, a pace all weekend was that they just didn't have really... Uh, the opportunity to switch on those tyres. But for, for Max Verstappen, back-to-back wins now in Mexico, having won there last year, it was a dominant win again. So Mexico, we talked about how engine performance is sort of brought onto an even playing field because of the high altitudes. And then we had Red Bull dominate all weekend. Basically, Daniel Ricciardo took pole position on Saturday, but then was crueled again by a clutch failure. So not a Renault engine related problem it was actually on the car side so yeah it's uh understandably he was livid of course and it's hard to really describe how we feel too because you know it's what nine retirements now um for the season and he's got two races left with red bull he even said in anger afterwards that what's the point even showing up for the last two that the car's cursed and everything and Ricardo had a poor start, I guess, um, for the race. He lost two positions um, and was third. So he was on track for a podium. And for it to happen, the failure to happen on lap 62 as well, it's just, um, yeah, heartbreaking. You'd think for everything he's been through, as much as he would have been disappointed with that poor getaway, second or even third would have been a great result ever since um, Monaco. You can see those those results, the way that he's pretty much retired from eight of the past 11 events and any other time he's really been compromised even without retiring and you wouldn't blame him on that front of not wanting to show up for the final two races. Just uh, at this point you expect him almost to, to have some sort of heartbreak each weekend and again we've probably mentioned this for the last couple of months that his time his move to Renault just can't come soon enough at this stage yeah it cannot and I guess out of um out of that is born all the conspiracy theories and whatnot about ever since the Renault announcement that you know things have gone from bad to worse for him at Red Bull I guess we'll probably talk about that another time anyway but it's just yeah how do you get the motivation then to to come and do your job we saw as well after the race Jos Verstappen come out and say Max's father to say that oh um, Daniel's antics on Saturday after he claimed pole position really angered Max and everything and it's like well you know he's trying to do his job he's not had much luck in the last um ever since Monaco, basically, which is more than six months ago now. So uh, what do you, what kind of credit do you give him, basically? So, yeah, poor Daniel. But Max, dominant win for him, second win of the year, too, backing up um, Austria. And, yeah, I guess going forward to next year, definitely um, 
going to be exciting for him if he's in a better car as Max, but we hope Daniel all the best too. We wish Daniel all the best too. Oh, Red Bull, it seems not so silently aren't too phased about that result as much as a one, two or even a double podium would have been a, a great outcome. They seem very much as though Ricardo's just a, a background character at this point and you don't need to look any further than Helmut Marco, he likes to stick the boot in and at every opportunity and uh, really as far as that tie which extends back to Mark Webber's days, it's going to be 12 years of that local talent there that we won't have to have that association with Red Bull so it'll be really nice to sever that tie and not have his negative um, shadow just in the background always lurking always pulling the strings and you can see whether you want to make a point of it or not going back even further in Marco's time he's seemingly had it in for quite a few Australians and you could uh, reel off at Craig Lowndes for one example Mark Webber of course Ricardo and all these other juniors so I think for Ricardo regardless of what happens for him terms of success in 2019 he'll just be glad to be out of there yeah exactly and for um for next year too it'll be interesting to see at the australian grand prix um a lot of people not wearing red bull if uh, merchandise so if they'll have the renault range out by then it'll be nice to see a sea of yellow and black instead of uh, the red bull colors adorning it but anyway back to the race itself so yeah as we said it was a a race of tire management mercedes struggled with that um uh, they had no extra sets of the softer tyres, which everyone else had, but they, Ferrari and Red Bull, seemed to make their tyres work and didn't have to do a second pit stop like Lewis Hamilton. So that basically surrendered the podium positions to Vettel and Ricardo. but fourth was enough in the end for Hamilton to clinch the title. Um, and, yeah, he was complaining all race because he just couldn't have the... He didn't have the pace to, to match the guys ahead. But, you know, thinking about, I guess, the the big picture and also the championship he would have been relieved to at least have clinched that and ticked that off the box so he can come to the last two races and if if he wants to dominate he can you can understand that sentiment from him that he wanted to conclude that title on the top step and it's somewhat ironic now for not the first time and it'd be at least the third time in his five titles that he has finished off the podium with quite a scrappy race and and you just think that it's a testament to Hamilton and Mercedes that they're always looking to get the best out of themselves regardless of whether they've got everything wrapped up and and you can see that um, regardless he still uh, had those comments after the race that that was almost the first consideration other than the fact that they had just secured another title and the way things are going it just shows you that five years of excellence um, we talked about last year into this year and Ferrari making the inroads and they just keep finding a way and, and obviously the last couple of races Mercedes haven't been quite at the top of their game but they did the hard work when they had to. Yeah and we'll talk a bit about Hamilton a bit later on its own as a discussion but yeah if, um, so as you said three times now he's wrapped it up without having been on the podium same situation happened last year as well in Mexico too so um, yeah one of the the race just to secure the championship um Bottas I guess had to move aside as he always does but he finished I think fifth in the end but yeah Mercedes now on the cusp of the constructors championship too which is uh five years in a row which is kind of unheard of considering how last year they sort of became the first team I think to win um constructors championships in two different across two different sets of regulations so to go for five now is just incredible 
They're just taking all before them, and the only piece missing in that puzzle is if they can get Bottas a victory in the final two events for, for what he's had, and I guess just the way that that is a paradox to Hamilton's season, but that's a discussion for another day, and they've secured the ultimate prize once more. Yeah, I guess that as well, and just quickly on Bottas, he's the only sorry, he's the only driver in that top six in the championship not to have won a race. So you know, we see Kimi have what. Kimmy's won a race, two wins apiece for the Red Bull drivers. And yeah, Paul Bottas in the car that's going to win the Constructors' Championship hasn't won a race all season. Probably should have won three or four, for being honest and, and fair. He's just had the, the absolute um, rub of misfortune against him every possible opportunity. Exactly. So, and quickly, Kimi Raikkonen too, he inherited that podium place after Ricardo's retirement. He had a solid one-stop strategy on the super soft tyre, made those tyres last, and yeah, just Kimi's run of consistency. I mean, we look at Lewis Hamilton as having, you know, scored the most points since the mid-season break. I think Kimi Raikkonen is probably not too far behind him. I don't haven't done the calculations, but he's been on the podium pretty much every race um, since the mid-season break. So, yeah, good job from Kimi there. Certainly only second to Hamilton in terms of podiums, and that's quite something when you've got Sebastian Vettel and you look at the points, he really isn't that far behind the German, not least in comparison to any time in his previous years since he returned to Ferrari. Yeah, easily his best season yet, Kimi, even though he still had his critics about his performances earlier on in the season. But that's, the, I guess, the great dichotomy is that what if Kimi was the number one driver in the team? If he was unshackled and didn't have to play subordinate to Seb, um, you know, how strong would he be? That would be the interesting to interesting thing to see. Like if he would have won more races, would he? How close in the championship he would be to Lewis Hamilton? A lot of questions you could really just waste a lot of time thinking about. You'd think ultimately, though, just having that revitalization with Leclerc in the door instead of regretting whether they should have given Raikkonen one more season. It's the the kick up the behind battle needs to to really reignite that spark and just make sure he's clinical like Hamilton's been so frequently. Yeah, exactly. So moving it on to, I guess, the best of the rest then. And um, we had heartbreak for Checo Perez at home as well. He had contact with Charles Leclerc and got damage on his car. So unfortunately, he was unable to finish the race. Um, Esteban Ocon as well. So you know, it was a bit of a messy race for Force India. Ocon finished, but well outside the points. I think he came together with Pierre Gasly. So not a great race for those guys. And I guess for Force India too, you know, they're trying to close in on McLaren before the end of the season. And now two races to go. Um, it's going to be pretty tough. They'll have to score a lot of points in with both cars but it was Nico Hulkenberg best of the rest again for Renault P6 Carlos Sainz unfortunately a DNF again but he had a top 10 start so that'll be pretty encouraging for Renault but um, yeah you know they've sort of got a bit of a cushion now over Haas who didn't score points again this time out and for Renault almost to the point of disappointment considering how pacey they looked on the Friday when they were only second to the Red Bulls, and you thought maybe they've got a chance here of being legitimately maybe in for a top five showing, so they probably felt a bit short-changed there, and again, they fly under that radar and probably got to give credit to them for what they've done. They've come in for that criticism so frequently from Red Bull for their own failures, but they've held up pretty nicely across the year, and when Ricardo does join them, they're going to take yet another step forward. Yeah, you've got to say... 
yeah, we keep saying we look, we keep saying that we're looking forward to next year and seeing the progress Renault are making. Not only just for Ricardo, but even if he didn't go there next year, it would have been interesting to see if we could get another manufacturer up there um, as far as being sort of that top five contender um, on race day. So solid there for for Hulkenberg and for Renault. But you got to say that probably the most improved team across the span of the season is Sauber, definitely. So double points for them again. P seven for. Leclerc and then ninth for Ericsson um, and they've overtaken Toro Rosso in the Constructors Championship as well so you know that's pretty good considering where they've been over the last few years but Marcus Ericsson a bit frustrated after the race saying that you know the team sort of scapegoated him early on even though he did end up scoring ninth he thought there could have been a better result in there for him. This is good to see he's definitely improved as the season has progressed and for his own future it's good that he has securities right in IndyCar and who knows keeping that reserve role at Sauber he's got a foot in the door either way and he's probably enhanced that reputation by dint of Leclerc's own achievements and possibly learned a thing or two from him by far the most skilled teammate he has lined up against so he's he's definitely warranted you know, what his career has been over the past five seasons. Yeah exactly and again it's kind of hard to imagine that Marcus Ericsson has been on the grid for five seasons, given all the criticism he's copped. Uh, I guess, you know, driving for a team like Caterham to begin with, there's not really much, you know, you can do as far as performances and standing out. So, you know, and then coming to Sauber, of course, Sauber themselves have had a bit of a um, up and down time over the last few years. So, um, yeah, to finally have a solid car under his belt and to score, you know, consecutive points finishes and whatnot as well it's pretty good to see for Ericsson and yeah off to IndyCar next year as well with the um, Schmidt-Peterson team which is good for him so we'll see how he goes there and finally as well off to IndyCar also not off to IndyCar sorry off to Formula E as we said last week Stoffel van Dorn broke his points drought too so eighth for the Belgian and of course uh, for McLaren too trying to get that little points tally moving up as much as they can with two races to go and uh, Fernando Alonso again a lap one DNF so you know I think he's done probably 600 meters in the last two races um, and he'll be counting down the hours until he finishes up as a Formula One driver. Oh you'd think Alonso and Ricardo would both of them be pretty happy just to have an early vacation since there's literally nothing to gain. Certainly Ricardo, he's entrenched in that sixth in the driver, so doesn't count for much. And Alonso, when he's barely going to even make it around that first lap, it's almost like it was back in 2015 when they would send the cars out as a token appearance. And yet, yet again, just being a, a legacy of being caught in that midfield, you can say that he's got the, the nous to avoid everything, but when the debris flying around and it goes straight into the radiator, there's not much you can do about it. Not at all, and Alonso just involved in all sorts of carnage this year we saw Belgium again where he was the car that was sent flying this time unlike when in 2012 he had the car flying over his cockpit so um yeah just really scrappy and I guess yeah just looking forward to just having it all end because you know it's not the ideal way that we wanted to see Alonso go out as an F1 driver but it's the unfortunate uh reality of it it just hasn't happened at all. There's no such thing as fairy tales in Formula One, and 
It's just going to always be that great unknown. What could have happened had he been a little bit wiser many times over? I know what they should do. They should, uh, Lewis should just say, well, I'm going to take the next two races off and they should just draft in Fernando Alonso on a on a two-race contract or whatever. So at least he can win one or be on the podium. But I'm sure even if that happened, there would be still some kind of thing that would go wrong for the, for the Spaniard. Mercedes will introduce their testing components for 2019, which are way too underdevelop to have any um, long-term reliability, so he'll just have a continuation of what he's experienced. GP2 engine, GP2 engine. Yes, I think um, it'll be a sad moment to see him go, but you do hope they put on a bit of a show for him at Abu Dhabi to mark uh, what has been a great career and contribution, just his character. Yeah, exactly. Same thing, you know, uh, we look back at uh, Jensen Button when he retired in 2016 unfortunately his Abu Dhabi finale wasn't that great either I think he had retirement on the day so early finish for him and just hit the drink straight away as we remember seeing those uh, paddock images and videos of him getting a bit merry so I'm sure Alonso will break free of that as well pretty quickly off to the Amber Lounge, is it? Yeah, off to Amber Lounge, as he always does at the end of the year. So, yeah, it'll be great to round out the year. As we said, yeah, two races to go. And um, just as much as Hamilton, you've got to give credit to Hamilton. And he's, you know, certainly one of those greatest drivers. And, you know, we can talk about him perhaps being in line for being the greatest of all time. It's hard not to feel hollow that this year sort of petered out the way it has all that excitement and hype about oh yeah we'll have them Vettel and Hamilton battling all the way to Abu Dhabi it'll be close and then we've almost had a carbon copy of last year and I guess that was the biggest thing that even early on in the season towards the mid-season that I was worried about was that you know Ferrari will be good up until the mid-season but then the ball will drop and they're gonna just continue well they're going to repeat what happened last year and yeah it's happened again so i don't know (laughs) little coincidence that that downturn did end up uh, occurring very quickly after sergio marchioni's passing not that they can solely blame it on that but they seemed rudderless without his direction when he seemed so sure of where they were headed to and the confidence and that that swagger they had back in the the glory days it just seem to depart them almost overnight and Mercedes and Hamilton there being the great accumulators really made them pay for what they had done in the first third first half of the season when they just maximized those non-race winning results where Ferrari had um, maybe a few times it was out of their hands but Vettel in particular definitely uh, was too scrappy and, and wasn't that those points have ultimately cost him but just the pressure that builds and you can see ever since Germany they've just been chasing pedals just in second third gear whereas Hamilton's just taken it to as he does so often yet another class altogether yeah exactly and when you look at Hamilton's results across the year I think there's only four races where he didn't finish on the podium and even then he was fourth or fifth and then there was just that one DNF all year in Austria so yeah it's been ultra consistent and for Vettel it's just not been and we said Raikkonen yeah he's been on the podium pretty much every race as well and if not, he's still scoring solid points. So, yeah, that's, I guess, what Vettel needs going into the future. But anyway, drivers of the day for this year. Hard to go past Verstappen's performance, of course. Um, you know, the last few races, it's been a bit 
tough with them having to start from the back of the grid, but they still end up coming forward. And, you know, Red Bull, as much as we load them, they're quite exciting given that, you know, qualifying pace they might not have in comparison to Mercedes and Ferrari. But in the race, they're always so handy. And this time, you know, this weekend it was their their race to lose. They had the pace and qualifying and then in the race too. And unfortunately, yeah, it's just sad that we didn't have a Red Bull one too. It is the big unknown where whether Honda's really got its act together and it's got the, the pace to match reliability, which is finally on point. And if that is the case and and Red Bull, you just never know, really, ever since the hybrid era started, just how uh, handy that chassis is. But that'll be the, the true test with Verstappen maturing pretty rapidly this season. Um, they could be the ones yet if Ferrari doesn't move forward to be taking it to Mercedes and as much as we don't have the interest in them with Ricardo departing and that's always a good good thing after all the abuse we've all had to suffer from them over so many years but this will be fascinating to see if we'll get someone different legitimately taking it to the Silver Arrows. Yeah exactly and that's I guess where I said a couple of weeks ago with Ferrari as well it's like I'm almost done with trying to back them as far as being the person to uh, being the team to defeat Mercedes or whatever to beat Mercedes so you know it'd be nice to see another contender come in and genuinely bother them and I guess with Renault they're not probably um, close to doing that yet and maybe another couple of years but you know if they can start bothering the top five and even being in contention for the odd podium I think it would be really good to see so yeah um, I guess that's it with that race Mexico a memorable one at least uh, it wasn't a boring race by all accounts but yeah it's going to be as you said off air hard to look at the last two races given that the championship itself is uh, already wrapped up well at this point I'm I'm almost committed to making a a rare exception of, of missing a race viewing live all of these four, four five six a.m starts whatever they might be uh with them um, being a dead rubber we'll find it very difficult to justify rising for brazil not that it's ever a dull affair but there, there's very little incentive you might say unless you've got commitments such as you do with the, the blogging <laughs> exactly so and then going to work straight after as well it does uh, stretch the day out a little bit but anyway let's go through the digest now and a lot of news around the world as well we talked about ericsson finding a home in indycar for next year full-time berth with uh, schmidt peterson um the schmidt peterson team and i guess it was important also to say that Ericsson is not going there to replace the injured Robert Wickens, of course, as well. So, um, yeah, that news still a bit out there and everything. And just quickly on Wickens too, um, a lot of debate, furious debate, I guess, around um, the whole notion of him being paralysed and whatnot. And he had to come out and defend what he had written and also clarify what the state is. So obviously still doing physio and intense rehab but yeah it's good to see him that he is recovering and everything and it might be a long road to recovery but yeah someone like him I'm sure um, is strong enough to get through uh, this hurdle. He certainly seems committed to turning around that status but it will be up to 24 months as he mentioned and it's good on the part of Schmidt-Peterson to acknowledge that so who knows 2021 if he gets it all right and in any shape he doesn't have to be out there running marathons or anything but just being mobile to the point where he's got full function and able to to have that um, commitment with the burdens of driving an IndyCar and 
you could see that that would be one of the great fairy tales and as it is just a miracle that he he did survive intact and those sports people you just see they're made of something different and they always rally to to pull off these things against adversity so good luck to him over the next however many years it takes yeah exactly so good to see him talking and um whatnot and still doing the the rehab and everything so we had motorbikes motor gp at phillip island over the weekend and it was maverick vinales who broke the yamaha drought at last 24 races it's taken for them to to win another and i guess um probably not it still hasn't fixed their problems straight away as as valentino rossi said after the race um they've still got a long road to to go before they'll be genuine contenders again but i guess for everyone involved in the team and also the fans it's probably just i saw a, a relief to see them actually win win a race rather than go end the season without having won one and the race itself exciting as always at phillip island it's always like a moto three race for the moto gp at phillip island with like the top six top seven all bunched up together and at the end and there was a bit of a spectacular crash for johan zarko as well going into the back of Mark Marquez's bike, breaking into the first corner. And yeah, lucky no one was injured there, but Zarco went, uh, flew a fair way. So yeah, Marquez again crashed, well, not crashed, but just the the bike was too damaged after the Zarco hit. So I guess this is the trend as well every year that he wins the title in Japan, which is three times now. He always retires in Australia. So he kept up that tradition for the third time. So yeah, good to see Vinales win the win the race. Ian Oni on the podium, of course. Uh, last couple of races for uh, for Suzuki for him. So yeah, and Cal, Cal Crutchlow too. Shout out to him uh, recovering after breaking his uh, ankle. I think it was during practice. There was a nasty crash. Shame to have missed that one with the the work. But what I did see from Moto Three was quite riveting. And I kid you not, it was something like eleven or twelve wide into turn one on that final lap and that's something you would only ever see in that class and how none of them actually came off at that point there were several crashes leading up to it but those guys you can't doubt the commitment and it's quite something just to see how fierce it is and however many of them will make that eventual transition to moto 2 and moto gp down the track it's it's really something else and as far as entertainment goes you could do far worse than view that and you compare that perhaps to f2 and f3 and just taking a lot of cues from how to to do it in that style around that and just the whole um display the supporting acts as there's just a lot that formula one could learn across the course of the structure of a of a weekend and making it almost on par with the main event as far as publicity yeah i guess even also having them at every present at every round as well is quite key and i guess next year we will have f3 as that um second undercard behind f2 as well so that'll be good to see that come online for next year and everything and be sort of aligned with f1 as uh, as an entity and as a as you said on the race weekend and everything too so yeah another great race at the island um and yeah a couple of races to go as well malaysia and then valencia and then that's the season done for them too so we had Haas announced that they've tied up with rich energy so those guys quite desperate to get into f1 it seemed with their force india buyout not coming to fruition and then Apparently, they tried doing a deal with Williams as well, which didn't eventuate. <laughs> Frank um, Williams is clearly being a stickler as ever. A stickler, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, so they've tied up with 
Haas now from uh, 2019. They'll be a title sponsor, which means that the car will be branded in the t- in Rich Energy's colours, which it's hard to complain, given it's black and gold. And it's a bit evocative of a certain Lotus. Yeah, so black and gold, favourite colours of many in motorsport with the Lotus colours. So, yeah, it'll be good to see that those colours back on the grid. And I guess with Haas too, their colour schemes, ever since they've come into F1, a bit bland given that they're just a copy of their CNC machines. So it'll be nice to see them dress up a little bit better. Absolutely. And for to us, it's good to see they're taking that step beyond their own automation side with, with Gene Haas, the owner. They're probably using it more as a publicity point. But the way that they've they've crept forward to where they're almost in that uh, leaders of the, the second tier category, you can say that they're ready to make a jump. And with a bit more investment there, who knows what they're capable of as they, they expand in the next few years and who knows where they'll be at when the next regulations take effect. And also it's it speaks volumes about how, you know, results is what, uh, brings towards sponsors so perhaps you know not tying up with Williams is a is a result of Williams's predicament and whereas Haas you know they've been the star team in the midfield behind all, all the star non-manufacturer team you could say this year so um, yeah it's no surprise that many uh, sorry sponsors want to jump on board and when you look at historic teams like Williams and McLaren who are struggling to like McLaren only uh, scrap together a, a little Coca-Cola sticker on the side of their car, whereas, you know, Haas are getting title sponsorship now off the back of their results. Just shows you how that market's changed and historically the uh, regard the commercial potential uh, suitors that might be when they weigh up any kind of arrangement that doesn't seem to count for so much, even though it mightn't be that long ago. Um, they want the instant success and not to be always associated with the ones winning everything, but they're very much about um, where they see someone who goes smartly about it and soundly on track always helps having the right drivers and personnel. And it's a good arrangement, I think, regardless of how dubious rich in this case might be their business model. You'd think that it's just credit to Haas for being able to pull this one off. Yeah, well, nobody on this side of the world had even heard of what Rich Energy was in the beginning, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out, and on the topic of Cokes and everything, it would be um, remiss of us not to mention uh, Tim Blanchard stepping down from full, his full-time gig in supercars, so he's been with the Brad Jones racing team for a couple of years now with his racing entitlements contract, which he says is going to stay there, so you know um whether he'll be missed or not will not will be another thing but you know just i guess his presence as a as a regular on the grid a bit funny at times but yeah for i guess he's always had that issue of what you know he's going to step back perhaps manage that uh that wreck of his um and perhaps do some racing elsewhere if he's keen so and yeah with the wreck staying at um, BJR, I guess um, it wouldn't be a surprise if young Macaulay Jones does get the full-time gig for next year in that third car. Oh, Blanche can enjoy a, a few more cokes from the sidelines now. It'd be good for him just to not have the pressure of driving and running that team. And you'd think with that cool drive sponsorship remaining, he's still got that investment in there from the family-run company with his his parents there so you can see that between that and continuing as a co-driver for the enduros he 
he can still cut his teeth there and he's given it a fair crack over a few years, but he's not going to be someone who's going to be remembered like a Craig Lowndes when it comes to Newcastle. I don't think we're going to be having him <laughs> up there sharing the dace with the oh, great yeah. men. You might as well give him a chance not because he hasn't stood on a, on a podium throughout his career. So um, it's funny because everyone always used to say between he and David Wall that they'd always be just perennial um, back markers or whatever but David Wall actually did stand on the podium with Scott McLaughlin in one of the enduro rounds as well so at least Wall was lucky to get on the podium but he's been quite competitive in Carrera Cup so you know Wall's Wall's a decent driver and everything but yeah for Blanchard it's a yeah, and as you say, no one's really going to miss him. And if you didn't get the Blanche and Coke reference, probably need to watch the film Drive as well. So it's a good movie, bit of marketing there for you guys to, to get on board if you haven't seen it. So, yeah, um, McCauley probably shoe in for next year, which will be good to see for him to finally get his his uh, break in um, supercars. And, of course, this weekend we're off to Auckland for the... Um, penultimate round of the season and the championship between McLaughlin and Van Gisbergen really heating up too, which will be good to see. Absolutely. Back to the sprint format and always a, um, wouldn't call it the most technical circuit, but it's just free-flowing there. So living and dying by the sword, this is the potential. Very bumpy too. Yeah, a lot of turbulence. And you'd think one way or another, if one driver has a, a poor race, that could go a long way to determining the title. Exactly. Considering how everything unfolded in Newcastle last year, it would be no surprise um, to see some kind of surprise result occur. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And while we're on supercars as well, um, with Surfers Paradise and everything, so Queensland Government apparently want to open up some talks to have IndyCar come back. So, of course... You know, they won't be able to go back to the old circuit that they used when IndyCar Champ Car, sorry, was coming to the to Surface Paradise. But, you know, using a layout similar to the Gold Coast um, Enduro layout would be pretty cool. And, sorry, I guess the support that IndyCar's got here in Australia with the success of Will Power and everything too, um, there is a big audience that would love to see that event here. A lot of nostalgia for... For fans back from the 90s and 2000s, quite the carnival atmosphere that it it was almost um, more so, you could say, than the Australian Grand Prix, at least at Melbourne. It was almost comparable to how it was back in the, the Adelaide days and, and similar theme to now the, the Adelaide 500 for the supercars in, in tandem with, with supercars, which has been a in its own right, really taking over since IndyCars departed in the, the late 2000s as that main act on the Gold Coast. So given how much they're enjoyed these days, if they could pair that up and IndyCar can somehow make it work, even if it's earlier in the season, it would be great timing if it were to be in a February and it might yet tie in with that plan. Supercars has to transition to a, a summer series in the next uh, year or so and You'd think that just the way that IndyCar's resurrected itself the last three or four years, perhaps you get an Alonso in the mix in the not-too-distant future, it's got a lot of merit, and whether this or NASCAR can both be tempted, it's got to be a good thing for Queensland and, and for supercars to leverage itself off if that's somehow the support act as big as supercars is these days. Yeah, I guess, and also given that um, the Gold Coast, event itself has undergone the change for next year and um, only going to be the single race on the Sunday so it does open up for that possibility of 
um, undercards or, you know, being the undercard to an IndyCar event. So, yeah, it'll be exciting to see regardless of what happens um, if they do come back here um, and the exposure that will get for IndyCar in Australia too. So, yeah, certainly going to be a lot of interest in their next year. Kind of excited, actually, to watch them at the Circuit of the Americas too next year, given that they were out this week testing there or doing a few demo runs. And uh, Alexander Rossi, who drove there, of course, in the Manor F1 car a couple of years ago, um, certainly looking forward to getting back there in an Indy car. And they weren't lapping too far off the pace than the Formula One cars circulate, so it's good signs that they're, they're not going to be really taking the scenic tour. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of IndyCar talk at the moment anyway, more so than F1. We, Anyway, I guess more interesting things going on in IndyCar land than F1 at the moment anyway. So quickly, let's get out of the digest and um this was i just thought that this was really cool um the semi-retired sebastian loeb still has it in wrc he did the catalonia rally over the weekend and won and you know for a 44 year old you don't really i guess see semi-retired drivers like that still come and do that we saw carlos Sainz senior of course win dakar i think was it this year or last year that he won it last um, year yeah. yeah the dakar rally which is quite awesome and for Loeb, who dominated wrc for the last well the previous decade or whatever seven championships i think um yeah for him to come back and win a race still pretty cool and there's a lot of talk now of expanding his commitments next season almost to the stage where he could justify a full-time campaign with Citroen and that that would be quite something I believe is that Oji is also making a return after his time away when they clashed back in the the 2000s so if Loeb at his age were to make it a full-time commitment that would be a big shot in the arm for the category which is probably also like IndyCar just finding its feet again after a few years <laughs> well, given, of the wilderness. Well given that um, since the early 2000s is Loeb who's dominated and then Sebastian Ogier uh, coming after then and won the last four or five I think so yeah between those two Frenchmen it's just been yeah a French fest there in WRC so that's probably why uh, the interest has not been there and same thing with World Superbikes too I guess a lot of people sort of tuned out of it given Jonathan Ray's dominated over the last few years too so um, I guess as great as these athletes are and everything, you've got to marvel in what they've achieved. Viewers do, do unfortunately tune out if it's just the same, the same thing on repeat, basically. And we saw this with F1 and when Sebastian Vettel was dominating. And I guess with Lewis Hamilton, not as much to the same extent, given his, um, I guess, his personality and his exposure and whatnot. People seem to like him more than Vettel. So, but still, it's hard to watch, as you say, if it's just the one person dominating. And we need that next crop, Verstappen, Leclerc, whoever it might be, just to take over, like we saw with um, really Schumacher to Alonso and then pretty quickly with Hamilton, Vettel, etc. You need just that next generation to make their mark and instead of Vettel missing these opportunities, it's just um, that shot in the arm sport needs every now and again to have someone different up the top. Exactly. So let's move it straight into our little discussion then about Lewis Hamilton. Um, 12 seasons, 71 wins, 81 poles. So he's the, the all-time winner of the pole positions in F1 now 
five titles and still all counting. Um, when is it safe to say that he is one of the greatest of all time? So the man himself believes that Michael Schumacher is still the GOAT, given that um, he's got the seven titles and the 91 wins, but also hails Fangio and the era that he drove in as well, given that it was a lot more dangerous. And to win five titles for, I think, five different teams for Fangio did as well, that's a unique feat in itself. But just looking at Hamilton uh, holistically, given that you know he's got two years left on his current contract with Mercedes, um, he's 20, or sorry, um, 20 wins off equaling Schumacher's win record as well. You know, could he surpass Schumacher um, in two years? The rate he's going, he's averaging 10 a season since 2014, so he could yet pull it off. And, and if he does continue, he wants to see what the new regulations are all about. It's, it's almost a guarantee, and you wouldn't begrudge him, really. He's just warranted, if he hadn't already, the past two seasons, his status is the best of this generation probably yeah, quite comfortably top five of all time but when it does boil down to that title of the the greatest they're always going to be subjective claims from those different eras and who you're racing against all the regulations the races over a season whatever it might be to to compare it over so it's really impossible to ever pigeonhole one driver and and say that that is with an emphatic uh, remark that the greatest certainly of the last 20 years since Schumacher's retired, he's hard-pressed to go past. Hard-pressed to go past, indeed. But when you look at the last three seasons, I guess, um, so let's start with 2016, where he lost the championship to Rosberg, of course, with those inconsistent performances and the mechanical failures and everything that he did have throughout the season. Um, difficult year for him. But then to bounce back in 2017 with the with the threat of Ferrari as well. I guess that's probably been, when you look at the last two seasons, certainly, um, probably two of his best, given the threat from Ferrari um, was genuine and Vettel, another four-time world champion, um, fighting toe-to-toe with Hamilton. And for Hamilton in a car, let's be honest, the diva or whatever of last year in the car this year that wasn't quite up to match the Ferrari early on. Um, you know, it's hard to go past he and Mercedes, their synergy together, that they've been that great um, as a partnership too. Pardon my ignorance in that moment, just seeing actually for the first time the the crash on Sunday for Zarco and Marquez, quite quite dramatic, you might say, <laughs> yeah, just getting well, a bit of airtime. As I said, Zarco did go flying, as these, as did his bike. So One of many across all the categories. You could see, as I alluded to earlier, Moto3, there is probably about three of those where they were probably about three foot in the air. No, yeah. no jokes again. And how they just get up and brush themselves off, it's, it's a miracle. But, yeah. but there we go. Back to to Hamilton and just that partnership as much as it's all on Hamilton you have to give credit to Mercedes for the part they've played and that stroke of genius really when Hamilton did require convincing but he didn't um, bite the bullet when he moved on from McLaren and look at the time when everyone said that he was a fool and he's gone and proven they're more wrong and on that basis whatever he's achieved since that moment and whatever he achieves in the next two three four years however long he wants to hang around he fully deserves every success exactly and i guess that's where when you look at ricardo as well making the leap over to renault you hope that it's sort of rewarded similarly to hamilton maybe not to the same extent as it might not happen again the the whole hamilton mercedes dynasty but yeah you want some kind of success to come out of making that leap but as far as um 
reaching Schumacher's totals and tallies is concerned. Two years, definitely um, achievable given if everything stays status quo over the next two years. So if Ferrari are not going to mount a credible enough challenge again next year, then it's really hard to see where any other competition is going to come to bother Hamilton. And it's not just that he's taking it all on a whim or whatever. He's having to work pretty hard for it. And then, of course, balancing his life outside of F1 with F1 as well, the whole fashion industry commitments that he's got now as well and being a bit of a celebrity too. So I guess, you know, we do chastise him a lot for his lifestyle and everything. But when it comes to the on-track stuff, it's really hard to go past. And I guess... We've sort of had to, over the last few years, had to sort of, um, uh, like not like a fine wine, but sort of just, he's a taste that you have to acquire, and we're still not, I guess, his big fans of him or anything, but we do appreciate what he's doing, and for a talent like that in this generation as well, um, it, it's kind of good to see that um, we have someone winning all these championships and races and rewriting the, the history books. Probably since he surrendered that title to Nico Rosberg in 2016 and the past two seasons when he's had a hand slightly tied, everyone has been forced to, to reappraise his all-around approach on and off the track and you just have to acknowledge it regardless whether you're a fan or, or not that he just makes it work and his commitment is second to none really and, and he just puts the, the clamps on someone like we've seen with Vettel and Ferrari and they fall for the bait every time. Yeah, forcing them to make a lot of mistakes and he himself not really making many mistakes as we did see early on perhaps. So yeah, for five five championships, um, it's it's kind of, it's there and it's done, but it's kind of hard to actually turn around and say, oh, okay, Hamilton's got five championships. And here he was uh, four or five years ago, sorry, when he, sorry, six years ago when he first came to Mercedes, only with one championship to his name, given that he lost a couple of opportunities, 2007, um, in his rookie season and in even 2016. Like, so if those years went his way, he could have already had, the seven championships now. I'm sure Alonso would settle for just one of those that um, Hamilton's won in the subsequent time. Yeah, exactly, given that he's not going to win another one, it looks like. it's still. Oh, no, two, two races, a lot could happen. Yeah, could could do if he uh, takes that Mercedes seat. So, yeah, just um, as I said, it's really hard to look and see, oh, he's got five championships now. You know, it's it's great, and given that now he's up there with Fangio and with Schumacher, given that Hamilton's dream when he came into F1, he keeps saying, was only to emulate Ant and Senna. And when he reached the three championships that Senna won, it was like, oh, you know, now time to go better if he can. And now he's surpassed um, even Senna's own records. I think success is pretty intoxicating, so you can't blame him when he's at the top of his game. And he keeps showing to everyone just when we think, oh, he'll be resting on his laurels he takes it to that next level and surprises everybody and that's just a sign of a of a great that that motivation never departs and at this point you you don't know how many he might win but probably with Vettel when he won his four we all thought Schumacher is going to be eclipsed sooner than later but the way it did coincide with the end of that previous era it all came together so perfectly for Hamilton and perhaps that next motivating factor for him will be if after 2020 and he has six or seven titles and he likes what the the look of the the future of the sport will be that he wants to to hang on and that would just 
be icing on the cake if he did continue and he won yet another crown under a third or fourth set of regulations in his career. And also, how would he compare to, say, if someone like a Verstappen or a Leclerc were able to mount championship challenges? You know, how would he deal with those guys too? So Hamilton, very much part of the old guard now, you could say, which is not something you, you would think of saying. But yeah, he is, you know, now given that those two... Uh, given that Max is there with uh, Red Bull, if they're competitive next year, and then uh, Leclerc coming over to Ferrari as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those guys compare up against Hamilton, who is the five-time world champion. Hard to believe, unless Raikkonen had have hung up the helmet after he was um, shown his marching orders by Ferrari. He would have been the oldest driver on the grid, even though he's only going to be 34 next season but against that next crop anyone's comparatively old even Ricardo turning 30 next year would look ancient compared to <laughs> to those guys but yeah you'd probably think for Hamilton the only other thing that would ever uh, elevate him completely without a doubt is if he did make a, a late career move to say a Ferrari and, and did what very I don't think anyone has really and win a title with three separate teams that would just be something truly unique yeah it would be but also i reckon he'll probably see out his career with mercedes given the the partnership and everything that they've had and i guess um you can't really put on that hat and say oh you know he he should go win a title for another team to sort of cement his legacy i don't think that's necessary given that the adversity that they've been through and the fact that when he came to Mercedes, they weren't already winning races. They had to sort of build their way towards 2014. And I guess that's the sort of, when we, when I said we're looking at it from a holistic point of view, is that you're looking at how he came to Mercedes. And given that McLaren were more competitive than Mercedes at the time, he made that announcement. But then how both teams' fortunes changed and everything. And then 2013, he only won the single race in comparison to Rosberg, who won a couple that year. And also just, it was Rosberg's team at the time, but then Hamilton sort of made it his own after they had their little uh, tussles through over the next three years. So, yeah, there's a lot to, I guess, when, you, when we look back perhaps at the career of Lewis Hamilton, there's a lot to talk about. And I guess um, given where he's at now yeah i'm sure we'll be talking more about what he achieves in the coming years too yeah whatever he does achieve in in the future he's not going to be forgotten at any point and it's just once more credit to him even if not everyone is his number one supporter and he's polarizing off track antics and maybe the way he does behave at times on the track but yeah, fully deserving and end of the season we'll have a bit more of an in-depth look at how it was won and lost but that's something no one needs too much reminding of at this point yeah exactly so i guess um that sort of wraps it up uh, for this one um back next week of course to preview brazil for what it is hopefully it's actually an exciting race like we've had in the past and it justifies waking up at that early hour i guess but yeah you know it's as i said hard not to feel a little hollow given the way the season the seasons panned out and um you know early days yet but you know i think a little bit of a break is necessary before we can look forward to 2019 so yeah really looking forward to taking a break <laughs> yeah reset the batteries and full of vigor once more for 2019 round three of ferrari letting us all down yeah exactly we're already putting your bets on i guess but anyway Thanks for joining us this time and we'll see you next week. Till then.